And so it shall be. And so it shall be. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Nexus of All Realities, a man-thing podcast. I'm Paul Matthew Carr, your guide to the weird, the wacky, the often wonderful of a 70s swamp-based monster comic. Now, first of all, I want to point out that I said I would be doing these episodes more often and at a faster turnaround. Turns out I was a little premature in that promise and um, a bit overconfident in my ability to um, do things. Uh, That being said, I need to up my game because Man-Thing is officially in the MCU, baby. And if it sounds like I'm excited, I am. Um, Now, okay, before I begin, I want to point out that um, this is an unscripted episode. I'm working off a handwritten list of bullet points. So so if I sound extra rambly or I repeat myself, that's the reason. I just wanted to get my initial thoughts on Werewolf by Night and Man-Thing out there right away. So, um, and this is going to be kind of surface level stuff. Uh, I might do another episode where I talk more about Easter eggs and connections to the comics and such, but I haven't done any research or anything like that. Uh, I just wanted, again, just give my knee-jerk initial reaction. Also, I haven't checked any of the fan reaction or or reviews yet, so I don't know what the consensus is right now. Uh, and, um, And the reason I didn't do that is because... I wanted to give my uh, unadulterated thoughts before I'm inundated with fan theories and the uh, the sadly inevitable hateful backlash that all comic book properties seem to get these days. I hope that's not the case with this show because it really is quite good. Now, I am recording this on October 9th, 2022, uh, just two days removed from the premiere of Werewolf by Night on Disney+, Plus, which, of course, officially introduces Man-Thing into the into the MCU. And I'll get this out of the way right at the top. He looks great. I don't think I could have asked for a better visual representation on film than this. I'll talk more about his characterization a little bit later. Overall thoughts on the show? I loved it. I loved everything about this. The aesthetic, the story, the implications for larger horror-themed stories in the MCU. Uh, And of course, uh, Man-Thing himself. He just looks great. Um, And to dive into the details, as for the story, it's very simple. Uh, And that is to its benefit. It doesn't try to inundate you with excessive lore and backstory to all the characters. Uh, There's a little prologue in the beginning that gives you some rudimentary history and uh, sets up the premise. But that's it. Uh, After that, it just throws you in and allows the viewer to fill in the blanks by themselves. And the premise is that uh, Ulysses Bloodstone has died. Uh, He was a monster hunter and the owner of the Bloodstone, from which he takes his name. The Bloodstone is a mystical MacGuffin of great power. And uh, a group of hunters are gathered to the funeral to hunt a monster. The one who kills the monster gets to keep the Bloodstone for themselves. Two of the hunters are our protagonists. Elsa Bloodstone, the Ulysses' uh, estranged daughter. And Jack Russell, the terrier of the night and titular werewolf. And the monster they must hunt is none other than... Man-Thing. And I have speculated that Man-Thing could make an appearance in this show. And I was thinking it would be a cameo or some such. But to have him be a vital part of the story and a main character, I mean, wow, that is a dream come true, people. Um, But I get ahead of myself. 
But anyway, that's it. That's the whole story. When the hunt begins, we find that Jack Russell, the Terrier of the Night, is not actually there to kill Man-Thing, but to save him because they're friends, uh, which was a pleasant surprise. I like that. And, uh, and Elsa has ulterior motivations of her own that are hinted at, but not explicitly spelled out. As for the other hunters, they are interesting, but ultimately they're used as fodder and, um, and kindling, as it turns out. Jack's nature is ultimately exposed, and he wolfs out. Fighting and rending of flesh ensues. Jack and Elsa gain a connection. Elsa gets the bloodstone, and Man-Thing and Jack escape to have a nice breakfast by a campfire. The end. It's, it's fun. It's exciting. It hints at more to come and a greater world to be explored, but ultimately it is a satisfying, simple, self-contained story. I mean, what more could you want? I look forward to your messages telling me what more you wanted. But for me, I really enjoyed this story. Now, as for the aesthetic, the look of this thing, it's, it's fantastic. It begins with a notification that this is a special event done in a 1970s style TV graphic that I am all over. Uh, just in the opening seconds, there is already wonderful nostalgia vibes for me. Uh, and the show itself is in black and white, the importance of which I will get to in a moment. It's not just black and white. There's also the style and the feel of classic uh, universal horror films from the 30s and 40s, complete with a title card done in that era's font style, and it's filmed with heavy shadows and, and, uh, and high contrast, uh, like neo-German expressionism, the style that was typical of those universal horror movies. It really, it just looks like an old movie. It feels like an old movie. And, okay, full disclosure here, I love those old universal films. Uh, you know, uh, those, old, those old universal monster movies. I own them all. I watch them a lot. They are, um, they're comfort food for me. So from the opening frames of Werewolf by Night, I was sold on this thing. Even if it was terrible, I would have been kindly disposed to it. Luckily, for me, and for everyone else, it's not terrible. Werewolf by Night is, is, it's different than anything else in the MCU so far. Its look and its subject matter, yes, for sure, but also the violence and the gore. <laughs> this is a, a very violent show for, for Disney+. Plus. There are axes to heads, crossbow bolts to chins, uh, people getting burned alive and torn to shreds. And the reason they can get away with this, well, the reason I think they can get away with it is because of two things, the black and white and the campiness of the aesthetic. TV shows and movies were able to get away with, and, uh, and still are able to get away with, excessive violence so long as there's not a lot of blood. You can chop and hack as much as you want, so long as it's bloodless. And a trick to get around this is to have it in black and white, because in black and white, blood doesn't look like blood. It looks like ink. Now, if you couple that with the old horror movie look, you can get away with a lot. And, and what I mean by that is, let's face it, uh, universal horror films, as great as they are, they're a bit quaint by, uh, by today's standards. It is an aesthetic that is, that is, uh, that's commonplace. It's used to sell breakfast cereal, for goodness sakes. It's become camp. So 
when the violence in Werewolf by Night is done in this style, it sort of cuts its harshness. It makes it more palatable. They were able to get a lot away with a lot more than what they could have if it were done in the typical Marvel style. One last thing about the aesthetic is at the end, when the story is resolved, it switches to color. Somewhere Over the Rainbow is playing as it does so, recalling uh, The Wizard of Oz. But the way the color looks, uh, it's sort of this um, muted oversaturation. I don't know if that's the way to describe it, but I'm, I'm going with it. It, would, it reminded me of the Hammer horror films and that, you know, kind of unreal color. Now, I could be wrong about this, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's the look they were going for, sort of switching from the old universal black and white to the oversaturated hammer color. Now, let me get into talking about Man-Thing. As I said, Man-Thing looks great. Uh, very comic book accurate. He's not as not as mucky and slimy as he is in the comics, but I think that's necessary for this character to be embraced. Uh, if he's too gross looking, it would be hard for the casual viewers to like him, to, to identify with him. I mean, so much as you can identify with a giant swamp creature. Uh, so I understand the need to make him more visually appealing. Uh, that being said, he still retains the, the swampishness, for lack of a better word. You see this especially at the end when it does switch to color. He's this deep green, and there are stringy vines all over his body, and there's moss and mushrooms growing on him. So he is more visually appealing, but he still retains his organic plant-like nature. And they kept the face tendrils. They didn't try to clean it up or make him look less prominent. Uh, just full-on elephant trunks on his face, and I loved it. And as for his characterization, well, in the comics, at least in the Gerber run, Man-Thing is uh, distant, let's say. He is a creature of pure instinct and emotion. He doesn't think coherently. He doesn't have much personality. No personality at all, actually. And while that works for a comic, that would be a very difficult thing to portray on screen. So the filmmakers went with giving him a personality. It's a very childlike personality. And obviously he can think and communicate in the, st in the show. Now realize, I am a, <laughs> I'm a man-thing purist. Uh, but I have to admit that this is the way to go. He needed to be relatable. You need a reason to like him. And quite frankly, he's adorable in this. He, he really is. And it, it looks as if the filmmakers lean toward the, uh, the R.L. Stein characterization, but only partially. Now, in Stein's run, Man-Thing could think and talk and made quips, and he was just more human, just in a Swamp Monster persona. Or swamp Monster look, that is. Uh, this is not a characterization I particularly care for. Uh, it went too far in the opposite direction of the original depiction of Man-Thing in the 70s, at least in my opinion. You know, it overcompensated. But in Werewolf by Night, Man-Thing retains his Ted Salas personality to a certain extent, but he can't speak. And there is an animalistic or monstrous nature that comes out when he's in danger or protecting others. Again, I think this is the way to go. It's a nice balance. It gives a classic Man-Thing look and feel while also making him lovable and likable. And if he is to continue in the MCU, he needed to be more than a lumbering oaf. So my purist nature aside, this seems to be a good compromise and I like it. I like what they did. And a real couple of really good characterizations stood out to me. 
One is, well, they never said, whatever feels fear burns at the man-thing's touch. That's never said. But it was made explicit in the fact that two people, the two people that were burned by man-thing were terrified. I like that that was there. It made it implicit that they were afraid and they got burned. And they didn't hold back with that burning either. This was not a smolder or a light singe. This was full-on incineration. Um, quite frankly, I'm on board with that. It makes him it makes him dangerous. And the other side of that is they showed Manthing's empathy. Uh, the one thing I've pointed out a lot on this program is the empathetic nature of Manthing. It is it's the one thing that is the core of Manthing as a character. He feels what others feel, and that is what drives him to protect and defend others. To defend the universe, actually. And all universes, for that matter. And in this portrayal of him, you get the sense that, yes, he's dangerous when attacked, but he wants to help his friends. And there's, there's a very small moment at the end. I, 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 I loved how they did this. When Jack, when Jack Russell, the Terrier of the Night, wakes in the morning after his transformation, he is weary and, uh, and confused. And Manthing is very tender to him and uh, just hands him a cup of coffee. It's a small gesture. It's a very small gesture, but it's sweet. And it is empathetic. So yeah, I, I really liked this portrayal of Manthing. He looks great. And although the characterization departs somewhat from the comics, his core values are still there. And for an on-screen version of a mute, empathetic swamp monster, I gotta say, this was damned good. I'm on board. As for what comes next, well, um, well, Blade is already in production, sort of. I've heard rumors uh, of director and writer issues, but nothing confirmed as far as I know. Uh, also, Kevin Feige has mentioned Ghost Rider in interviews, and of course Moon Knight has darker elements, and Doctor Strange was a Sam Raimi joint, so... <laughs> So horror is already being established in the MCU. And, uh, and the big speculation is that the MCU is building to a Midnight Suns or a Dark Avengers team-up movie that Man-Thing would be a part of. And that's fine. That's, you know, it'd be, it'd be cool, I guess. I personally think that not everything needs to end up in an Avengers-style team-up extravaganza. Uh, I prefer smaller, quieter stories like Werewolf by Night. I think they work extremely well and are better suited to horror. Uh, but that's me. That's just what I prefer. As for Man-Thing himself, I would, I would love for him to be the defender of the nexus of all realities. With all the multiverse stuff happening, it seems appropriate that, uh, that he be installed as the protector of the timelines and the universes. Or, or maybe he was. And all the shenanigans in Loki and, um, and Doctor Strange and Spider-Man... And maybe that sort of kicked him out of the out of his role, and that's what started the incursions. Maybe that's why Jack Russell, the Terrier of the Night, needed to save him, as, as was referenced in the show. I don't know, but it would be very cool if Man-Thing regained his rightful position as Nexus Keeper. Or, and I'm just throwing this out there, maybe Man-Thing and Jack Russell, the Terrier of the Night, could go on a Thelma and Louise-style cross-country road trip with various hijinks along the way, but... Instead of driving off a cliff, they instead end up crashing into a Florida swamp. Just saying, it could work. So that's it. I know this was a brief, uh, a little, little short episode, but I just wanted to, you know, just wanted to talk about this show. I really liked it. 
It was fun, and I'm excited to see where all this is going. You know, there's a lot of talk about comic book or, or superhero fatigue, and I'll be honest, I'm not feeling it. I watch these movies, both Marvel and DC for that matter, like I read comic books. These are ongoing stories being told by several different creative teams. And every once in a while, you get a run that doesn't suit your tastes, but I don't stop reading comics when that happens, because I know that inevitably there will be another one that I do enjoy. And the movies are the same way. I'm not head over heels about all the films coming out, but the ones I do like, I really like. And I appreciate the fact that the genre I adore is the most popular thing in entertainment right now. I am spoiled for choice. And then something like Werewolf by Night comes out, and totally reconfigurates my enthusiasm for this genre. And, and in general, you know, the, the magical, the, the horror, the cosmic side of comics has always been my jam. And it looks like that is where the Marvel movies are headed, at least for the foreseeable future. And I, for one, intend to just sit back and just enjoy what comes. It's a good time to be alive, people. Uh, but let me know what you think. Am I off base? Am I right on the money? Uh, what did you think of Werewolf by Night and how Man-Thing was portrayed? Let me know. Let's, let's, ha- let's talk about it on Twitter, at Nexus of All. Also, one last thing. Uh, I have two regular episodes already recorded, just sitting around waiting for me to, be, waiting for me to edit them. So um, I will get my act together. I will get those out as soon as possible. But in the meantime, thanks for listening. Thanks for sticking with me. And as always, keep it swampy. You've been listening to The Nexus of All Realities, a Man-Thing podcast. The Nexus of All Realities is a Daddy Elf production. Man-Thing and all related titles are copyright Marvel Comics, and no infringement is intended. The show can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. And if you head on over and leave a review, I'd appreciate it, and I'll be your best friend. You can contact the show via email at nexus at daddyelk.com or online at nexusofallrealities.com and leave a comment on individual episodes. You can also connect with the show on Twitter, at Nexus of All. The Nexus of All Realities is for entertainment purposes only. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained?